You're listening to the Coach and Joe podcast, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to the Coach and Joe broadcast. Joe's in Hawaii. I'm here with a much better looking man anyway <laughs> than Joe Blakeberg. I would say that between you and Chris King, uh, in terms of like beard envy, I know Paul says don't covet. Uh, in terms of beard, you're probably the top of the food chain. Yours is a little, I don't know, pretty neck and neck. Chris and Blake are sitting here. Chris's beard game is strong. It is strong. What makes Chris's beard game strong is the bald head. You still have a little bit of hair up top. Um, I've got a good mustache. I've Ryan, got that. I've got Ryan, that going. Ryan Harmony me. told me recently if I ever shaved my beard again, he'd leave the church. And I said I I can't I can't deny that. I um. All right, let's talk about beards, uh, beards and and uh, obesity. So here's the deal. Um, you know me. You know my story. I've basically been eight weeks. Uh, away from physical breakthrough for two decades. You know, I'm that I'm that 30 pounds away guy. And it's, ah, I drive my wife crazy talking about all these diets I've been on. But So I, I go to Dick Sporting Goods three days ago, bought a 40-pound vest, been power walking with that. I feel like I can stare at a cup of water and gain four pounds in an hour. But yesterday was my second Weight Watchers meeting. It was uh, me and about 30 fat women from all over the upstate and I'm sitting in the Weight Watchers meeting and it's like, what am I doing? What? I mean, honestly, it's come to this. I got an app on my phone. I'm counting these points. And, uh, I found out by the way, that corn is no points. I'll eat more corn than a Nebraska (laughs) cow over the next, over the summer. I can tell you that you just can't put any butter on it. I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to put on it. I had to just lick it until it gets wet. I guess. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) I found out corn's no points, beans are no points, uh, cauliflower rice is no points. So I'm like, holy crap, I can't lose weight on that because I love my own homemade burrito bowl. But about 30 minutes into the meeting yesterday, I I felt like I was in church. And I, I made the staff go to an AA meeting a couple of months ago, and we went to one of those. and Because we've been talking about since staff retreat last year, vulnerability, the power of vulnerability, being real what the purpose of vulnerability is, what it's not. And yesterday at the Weight Watchers meeting, I just thought, I like I like this maybe more than I like going to church. Brokenness, vulnerability, honesty, breakthrough, uh, people actually winning, losing weight. And I'm already looking forward to going back next Wednesday. And by the way, my leader, humble guy, he was the only other guy in there. Thank, thank God he was there. Humble guy, he's lost 106 pounds. He talked yesterday, he gave a little presentation of how hard it is still for him. But here's what dawned on me. Uh, the brother, the brother's 106 pounds down. His vulnerability did not lead him to stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about vulnerability today. Because if vulnerability is the goal, then we've already lost. Vulnerability is not the goal. Losing 106 pounds, and that metaphor is the goal. Yeah, 106 pounds, bro. That's a lot. That's so here, a, my leader is not someone. The, my leader is higher on the mountain than I am in physical measure. But it was vulnerability yesterday that I don't typically see in church. Why is it, Blake, that it takes me going to an AA meeting 
to learn about vulnerability or even a Weight Watchers meeting, why does the church not look more like that? I think in church we all we all feel like we have to have arrived at a certain level in order to be respected, to be validated, to have value to what the church is doing, to be accepted by God, that we have to achieve whatever standard is church. And it's a standard that we put on church. Uh, I actually went to a church a long time ago when we lived in Georgia that was a really tiny church. There were maybe 40 people that attended it on a Sunday morning, but they did AA meetings in the basement of that church. And so the majority of the congregation were people that were from the AA meetings. Oh, wow. What was that like? It was the most incredible church I've ever been in. Dang. Because nobody pretended to be anything other than who they were, where they were. And sometimes where they were was they had a cigarette behind their ear sitting in the pew during Sunday morning worship because after church was over, they were going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. And they were uh, unapologetically who they were, which was really incredible because that's not something I've ever seen in church before, was people processing in a group, chasing after God together in a group, no matter how far away they thought they were by normal Southern Bible Belt Christian standards, they were just being themselves. And there's something really powerful about being yourself. And it's something really welcoming because then I feel like, well, I can, I can do that too. These guys aren't any different than me because I'm struggling. I've struggled differently than they do but I have my own things that make me feel like I don't measure up to whatever Christian standard uh, I've put in my mind as being right and correct. You know what drives me insane about a lot of the social media posts from even well-known ministers or even sermons? There's a There seems to be a sense of we've lost the ability to identify with what Paul said when he says my power, his power is made perfect in my own weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love righteousness. I love the ability, the fact that I get to stand in the Father's presence without fear of shame or condemnation or guilt. Romans 8, 1, I believe it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But what I don't like and what I, and what I just can't exist in is any type of ideology that takes away the fact that I'm I'm still broken. I I um I actually don't trust leaders who don't lead from a broken place because a lot of times these leaders are promoting what seems to be a message of faith or identity and all it is is denial. You know, Paul boasted in his weakness, boasted in his weakness. Grace flows to the lowest places. City of Jericho is the lowest elevated city in the world. It just happens to be the first city that the Israelites took. Mm-hmm. Here we are with paradox again. Am I as clean as Jesus? Yeah. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. You were once alienated, hostile in mind, performing an evil deeds, but now he's presented you before the Father, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Well, that's one side of the coin. This is why you got to look at this, the scriptures through paradox because Paul also says I'm the chief of sinners. He didn't say I was, I am. At Weight Watchers yesterday, um, I'll be honest, it's just you're not you're in there for a reason. I paid seventy bucks for three months because I I need help in getting more fit and trim. By the way, please don't send me any emails about keto or I will pray that God devours and eats all of your steak. 
I don't want to hear that about low carb. I've had enough of that. I go on low carb and I feel like punch, throat punching everyone in my path. I don't want to hear it. Um, why? At the AA meeting two months ago, and the Weight Watchers meeting the last couple of weeks, I feel like I have like genuine connection with people. Mm. One of my goals at Bridgeway is over the next few years to create a culture under the grace of God that you can be open and honest about where you are because maybe you need to be open and honest about where you are so that you can get to where you need to be. My leader yesterday has lost 106 pounds. That shows me that vulnerability is the starting place, not the ending point. I love what Irwin McManus says. If vulnerability is the goal, then every inmate in prison is our hero. I'm not saying vulnerability is the goal. I'm saying transformation is the goal. Yeah. If transformation is the goal, though, I got to admit who I'm not. Right. We, me and you were talking on the front porch this morning. Confess your sins one to another. You had some really good thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think, I mean, built into that, one, now it has to be in a group. It's not confess your sins in your prayer closet by yourself to the Lord where no one can know about you, uh, but it's confess your sins one to another. And I think the real power in confession, and especially in a group, and why why this is something that leads to transformation, is that confession reveals where you are. And our goal is transformation. So our goal is to get from where we are to get to a destination, and uh, directions are always relevant to the point of uh, origin, or they're always uh, relative to the point of origin. And so what confession does is it reveals my point of origin to a group of people that are going to help me get to whatever the destination is. And now once we know my point of origin, then I can get directions to that. So then they can say, well, great, like where you are, you need to go straight for 50 feet, then you got to turn left, take the first right, go straight again, go left, and then you're going to end up at transformation. And if none of us can start with where we are, honestly where we are, then we have no hope of getting to somewhere that we want to be. Why then, what is it about that first step that people, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, we all seem to struggle with this. Why is that first step so hard, the confess part? Because we're afraid we won't be accepted. Isn't it wild that we can go back to Genesis 3? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Why are you hiding? I remember reading Brandon, Brandon Manning's book, Abba's Child Changed My Life. Chapter 1 was about not being a poser anymore. You know, you know what the other dark side of this is? If you make vulnerability your goal, and all you all you do is confess who you're not, and you haven't lost 106 pounds. Yeah, people stop listening, and grace dries up. Confession has to lead towards transformation, or it stops becoming confession. It just becomes self-deprecation, which is nothing more than, from our, my community standpoint, enablement. Man, there's something on this. Yeah. If my confession is not leading to transformation and there's no fruit of more wholeness, well, then it's not confession. I mean, there, there's a reason Jesus says to the man who's been on the mat 38 years, hey, do you want to get well? It's an it's an admittance. Yes. I'm admitting something, but and I'm not, that's not confession, confessing a brokenness. No. I um, My wife, my wife's awesome. Her walk with God is about as strong as anyone I know. And she, there's been times where I say, hey, I want you to know that I'm sorry. And she'll say, you don't mean that. 
and she's right at times because really I just want to get I just want like to move on. Yeah, I admitted it. Yeah, I didn't take out the trash. Whatever. My wife has the ability to understand. She can detect when it's true repentance. Mm-hmm. I think God's the same way. Yeah, I think if we're not careful, we think we're confessing. We're just admitting. Man, there's a book on that thing. But recently, uh, Brian Schwartz gave me a word that I'm walking in a Malta anointing, and he explained it as when when Paul went on the island of Malta, you know, dead raised, the snake didn't bother him. Just a powerful thing. Paul got shipwrecked and healed everyone on the island. Have we ever stopped to think how Paul got to that place? I don't think he was at that place right after conversion. There's a progression in Paul's journey. I think, Blake, he got to that place because he realized along the way who he wasn't. That mm-hmm. man got really low. And what I think is funny is he's one of the most arrogant figures God's probably <laughs> ever struck down. Seriously. Yeah. Raised by Gamaliel, top of the food chain, Jewish culture, scholar, brilliant. God blinds him. But something starts happening. I mean, Paul's laying hands on handkerchiefs and people are getting hold. Do I believe in anointing? Yep, I do. I also believe that two of the most underrated keys in the kingdom are gratitude. I think that's a vicious weapon. Yeah. And I think confession is too. You know what confession is saying? I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And when it's true confession, the dead are raised around you. Yeah. If I'm walking in a stance of admittance that as a leader, the team I'm leading is not going to be getting more whole. But if I'm walking in a state of confession, look out. And it redeems condemnation. And so it very quickly turns when I feel condemned into an opportunity to restore myself back into the path the Father wants me on. I mean, it's actually a really quick way to shut the enemy up, I think, on condemnation. Because as soon as you feel condemned on something, you go, oh, you know what? That's like, thanks for reminding me about that. Mm-hmm. I need to go confess that so I can turn this around and transform myself. Uh, the Lord even talks about that. You know, if you quickly agree with an accusation, it takes some power away from it. Yeah. The, the, I believe Satan's number one tactic is condemnation. I believe that's his mission statement. I think Luther calls Romans 8 the gateway of the Bible. And the first verse of Romans 8 is, there is therefore now no condemnation. So what's Satan's strategy? To go after the gateway of the Bible, gateway of the kingdom, and attack the biggest truth of all. Yes, I am clean. Yes, he does love me. Yes, he is for me. However, when I am walking in sin, when I'm walking in brokenness, and I intentionally choose the kingdom of darkness, then I can be weighed down, which is why Hebrews would say, throw every weight off that entangles you. This is not to earn my righteousness. Mm-hmm. This is ju- this is about friendship with the Father. It's about intimacy. You know how it is with you and Kim. There's times where you just got to have a good chat to clear things up so intimacy yeah. can be restored. Well, your marriage is not being restored unless you've got a divorce. But if you're not divorced, you're still married in God's eyes and the court's eyes. It, this is more about intimacy. My confession, even with my community is not to get them to love me more. It's it's an intimacy issue, right? Yeah. Where there is no constant confession, there is no friendship with God. Yeah, well, and if you can't be honest with the people around you, you're not going to be honest with God either because a relationship is a relationship. And it doesn't matter what direction it goes, if it's earthly from side to side or from earth to heaven, it's still a relationship. We, I think a lot of people uh, still believe that God wants to smoke them. Mm-hmm. 
And what we're saying is your righteousness is secure if you're in Christ. This isn't about righteousness. This is about friendship. Yeah. Why don't you speak a blessing over everyone that's listening to us? Our best says, uh, with courage to be who we are, to be honest about who we are, where we are, uh, knowing that our pursuit is you, God, and that the people that you've placed around us are to help lead us toward you, to help lead us toward transformation. Uh, to keep our eyes on our prize, which is you. Keep our eyes on transformation, knowing that vulnerability is a tool. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Coach and Joe. For more information and additional content, please visit bridgewaynetwork.org.